0: Hello, good morning, welcome to uh, our sixth and final week of our series, Arrows. We've been uh, taking the last six weeks and we've been digging into Psalm 127 and really launching into this metaphor that uh, the author Solomon uses there, that uh, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, our children uh, in our quivers. So we've been walking through this idea that's laid out there. We've been using a fun acronym right every week. We've been giving ourselves a little piece of the puzzle to figure out what this parenting journey needs to look like for us. So we started out talking about our aim, that our aim is at eternity. We said that the two R's are release and rhythm, that O is the opposition. There's an enemy and it's not them and it's not your spouse. Last week we said that raising children takes work. And so, of course, this week we are on S, our final week. And today we're going to look at the idea that parenting is a sacred calling. So the S stands for sacred. Parenting is a sacred calling. And if you don't know, calling is different than a job, right? Calling is something intrinsic. It's who you are at your core. It's what's inside of you that then comes out to accomplish the tasks at hand. Calling doesn't shift or change over time. It's an identity that's formed inward and then comes outward. If you've been entrusted with children, then that calling, that role, it may not always feel easy. It certainly takes work. We've talked about that. But it it changes the dynamic of the conversation when we start with calling instead of it being a job. See, if being a parent is a job or a role, if it's something that gets grafted onto the identity that we had before, then it can be a difficult transition to become a parent, to continue to be a parent because it keeps taking away from who we believe we are at the core. And parenting does have those changes, though, right? It changes everything, our priorities, our hobbies, how we spend our time and our money and our sleep schedule. And we do it willfully and gratefully out of love for our children. But if we attempt to parent just out of that sense of duty, out of an obligation and a requirement, then resentment can build up. Because something external is encroaching on our internal demeanor and disposition. However, if we properly understand that our role as parents is a calling, an equipping, a gifting from God, which means that it's actually an awakening to something inside of us, something that God has planted into our identity, then it becomes a strength, a place that we can draw from in our parenting journey. Right? Rather than endurance, just making it until they're 18, just surviving the latest cultural rhythms, just making it through these years and using our strengths to muscle through, which is totally me, by the way, calling awakens us to the strength that God wants to pull out of us to raise the children that he's entrusted us with. So today I want to look at a scripture from Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43, this is a foundational and a formational chapter, and we're going to look at it through the lens of parenting as we wrap up this series. So here's what Isaiah chapter 43 says, starting at verse 1. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, you are mine." This is one of the most foundational verses on calling in the Bible. And you can hear the strong language, right? Now, Jacob and Israel are both references to the same person, but there's a larger transformative and restorative story that's being told in the phrasing of that sentence, right? right, so history lesson. Pause right here. Talk to the person next to you on the couch. Ask your kids, who is Jacob? You Remember the story? Think back to your Old Testament. Who was he? Who was his brother, right? Jacob and Esau. Jacob was a twin and his name meant heel grabber, deceiver, right? You may remember that he stole his brother's birthright a couple of times, actually. He tricked his father by lying. He stole, arguably, from his father-in-law, right? Jacob is not a great dude. But then what happens, right? He wrestles with God and God changes his name to Israel, which means literally to wrestle with God. Now, now notice how this name change pulls something out of Jacob that was already being formed in him, right? He wasn't called Israel so that he could go and change and become something new. It was a recognition of his calling of something that was placed deep within him and already present, So Jacob and Israel here, applied to the people of God, which extends to you and which extends to me and everyone else, means this. No matter which side of the equation you're on, you're God's. Whether you're the deceiver, the liar, and you're on the other side of the equation, not yet being fully redeemed or transformed into the person that God created you to be, whether you're lying, stealing, cheating, or whether you're on God's plan, living your life for him and fully redeemed, the some takeaway is that God has summoned you by name and you are his. Romans 8.28 would say it this way, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. God says, look, you're mine. I've called you by name and it doesn't matter where you're at on the path. I'm forming something in you. I'm calling something out of you that's already present, whether you can see it fully formed in you or not. And when it comes to our parenting journey, he's saying, you may not feel up to it. You may feel like you don't have the skills to be a homeschool parent during a global pandemic. But I've called you to this. I've called you by name. No matter which side of the equation that you're on, you are mine. And I've called you to this. And belonging to the Lord, in case you didn't know, has significant benefits attached As we walk through the text, but first, right, parents and all people, you're called by God. But secondly, if you're called by God, then you've also been equipped by God for the task at hand. Let's continue reading Isaiah 43. We're back at verse 2. He continues, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. When you belong to God, when he's summoned you and called you according to his purposes, he equips you for the path that he's called you to walk. And we see that in a couple distinct ways in these verses. First off, we see you are not alone. Right, this is important. Right, One of the metaphors for water in the Old Testament is like the ocean. We hear this in Genesis 1 when God first creates and the Spirit is hovering over the water. They are dark and chaotic. They are wavy and scary. And so when Isaiah says, speaking for God, that when you pass through the waters, he's not talking like a bridge over the waters, like perhaps you and I might think, or a river. He's not talking about sitting on the beach and enjoying the sounds of the ocean. He's not talking about a nice mountain stream next to your campsite where you're just sitting and drinking in the presence of God and drinking the water. He's talking about the times when we feel overcome, when the waters are turbulent, those times where we need to know that he's there, when we feel betrayed or forlorn or forgotten, when water seems to be coming in over our head and we're sure that we'll drown. It's in those moments that we need the reminder, the whisper, that we are not alone. That God is with us even now, even in the moments, even when the world seems upside down. God says that the waters, you won't be alone when the waters rise. And that's incredibly important. Right, the second thing, the second equipping that we see here, besides when water is over our head, is when the river overflows its banks and it threatens to knock us off our feet. He says, you're mine, I've called you, I've equipped you, and because of that, you won't be swept over. Right, when school is canceled because of a pandemic, don't worry, you're not going to lose your footing. When you lose your job and government aid starts to dry up, don't worry, God's not going to let you be swept over. Away, When you lose your footing, you're unsure, you don't know if you can take another step without collapsing from the raging rivers of life, you won't be taken out. Now now this is important because we need to notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that when the river rises that you'll just be dry. It doesn't say that you won't get any water in your mouth. It doesn't say that you can just take the bridge the easy way around. It simply says you aren't alone and you won't be overcome. You won't be swept away. We talked about this a few weeks ago when we talked about, oh, the opponent, about standing firm. Here's how 1 Corinthians 10 would say it. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. When you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You won't be overtaken. You'll be able to bear it, to stand up. He'll give you a way out, a way through it, a way to continue forward. Notice he doesn't say that you won't experience it, just that he'll be faithful to provide a way to equip you to walk through it. This is important if we continue that line of thought into James's line of thinking in James chapter 1 verse 2. He says, consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. See, make no mistake, God is not nearly as concerned with your comfort as he is with your character, your maturity, right? The goal isn't to keep you safe, it's to make you strong, mature, complete, not lacking anything. This is just like our goals for our children, right? It isn't to make them a bubble boy or a bubble girl, right? Safe and secure in mommy and daddy's house, right? It's to make them mature, complete, competent, able to stand up when the rivers of life rise and the waters are tumultuous. The goal isn't to be safe. The goal is to be able to do the tasks that God has called us to. You may have heard this quote. It's an old one from John Shedd. It says, a ship ship in harbor is safe. But that is not what ships are built for. You can be safe. No risking relationships or risking jobs. You can risk not having kids, right? What if we screw that up? You can risk not adopting or not going out during COVID, and you might be safe, and that is well and good. But you were not created simply to be safe. You're called and created and equipped to be strong to stand, to fight, and to win. That's the third equipping that we see in these verses in Isaiah 43. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Notice again, it's not if the fires come, but when they come. Right? The fires is a powerful metaphor in scripture for the trials of life. It's the metaphor of refinement, of purifying, of taking a piece of metal and removing all the impurities so that it can be pure and whole and strong to accomplish its purpose. Right? Sometimes we mistake the fire in our lives, the trials and hard times, as evidence that God is not present that he's forgotten us, that he has moved on, that perhaps we've done something wrong. Isaiah reminds us that no, fires will come and they serve a purpose. And while it's hot and it's heated and it's perhaps painful, the promise is that we will not encounter them, but that we won't be burned. Rather, the promise doesn't say that we won't encounter them, simply that we won't be burned when we go through them. We won't be injured seriously. That the fires of life and of parenting are meant for our refinement, for our strengthening, as James said, for our joy. See, when we understand that God has called us, summoned us by name, the difficulties of life still remain, they just get reframed. Instead of being enemies bent on destroying us, pulling us under the water, consuming us in a fire, they become tools of God's refinement in our lives. Rather than being external threats, they become the catalyst to awaken the internal strength that God instills in every human heart. And of course, lest we forget, this is all done for one reason and for one specific purpose. To remind us that God Loves us. Verse 3. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead, since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you. I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Everything that God does he does out of an abundance of love for you whether it feels like it or not whether it looks like it or not that is the truth right parents we attempt to do the same thing with our kids even when they don't see it feel it recognize it we see that our role in their lives isn't to be all sunshine and roses and that's okay but it doesn't change our motivation which is to love them to lay our lives down and our preferences down for them because our love for them is so great. Because they're precious to us and we would trade the world, we literally trade our world for them. So parents, people of God, you are called to this. You're his. He knows you by name and he has plans and purposes for the things in your life. And if you're called by God, then you're also equipped by God for everything that you are facing, will face, and have faced. And all of this is because he loves you and has the best intentions and plans for you. What's the result of this calling and equipping and this love displayed for us? Isaiah 43, at least, the result is confidence. It's a confidence of walking in God. Isaiah 43, verse 5. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, don't hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made and we know who we are and whose we are, that we're called and equipped and loved, then there's nothing to be afraid of because we know that God is present and working on our behalf. And this is the powerful parenting moment. If you're confident in God's promises, then you won't need to fear for your children because you know that God is contending for them. East, West, North, South, nothing is going to stop God from bringing your children back to you and his children back to him. Eerily familiar with another verse in Romans 8, verse 38 and 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God that is displayed in Jesus. Now, this passage in Isaiah 43 is powerful to us as parents to know and understand and to apply, and I hope that's been true for you. But it's even more powerful if we read it through the lens of our children, specifically in, in light of their relationship with their God. So instead of seeing this as our relationship, we see it as God's relationship with our children. See, parents, you need to know that you're called and equipped and loved. Absolutely. But you need to know and understand beyond a shadow of a doubt that God loves your child just as much as he loves you. And believe it or not, he loves them more than you could even ever love your child. Because his love is perfect. Which means not only does God call us, but he calls them. He summons them by name and he equips them too. Sometimes that means they're in deep water. Sometimes it means they're in a fiery furnace on trial. But those experiences, just like our own, are designed to foster their trust in God just as our trust in God grows. And when we start to let that sink in, it can change our whole view of being a parent. Because instead of trying to teach them a lesson or what we know, it becomes about us connecting them to God. Facilitating their trust in Him. Being a conduit of His grace and His mercy and teaching them to trust in that. We stop insulating them from the fires and we start helping them see that this is God's refining work. We stop keeping them on the shore, but instead egging them to stand firm when the water rises. And when the big questions of life comes to nurture them to God, because we know that we don't know what we're doing, but just as God parents us, so we parent our children. They don't belong to us, and they never have. They belong to God, just as you belong to God. God who knows them intimately, who knows you intimately, who knows every hair on your head, and he knows every hair on your child's head. And God said, you know who would take the best care of my son, of my daughter? She would. He would. Who can I trust my son to? I think I know just the person. God, who loves Liam and Asher more than I ever could, looked down from eternity into this moment in time in the middle of a pandemic, and he surveyed my life and Melissa's lives and their lives and their future lives, and he said, I know who could do the very best person for this job. And of course, he chose Melissa, right? And I just came along for the ride. No, he chose me for these children for these moments for these purposes and it's not because i'm good or i'm special but because i'm called and equipped and love and because of that no one and i mean no one else can be what i can be for my children i'm their father and that is a sacred calling that only i can fulfill you are too you are the exact parent for the exact moment, for this exact time, for the exact children that you have. I don't care whether they're natural, adopted, surrogate, it doesn't matter. God blurs all the family lines. You are where you are because God is doing something. And the only thing that's keeping that something that God is doing from happening is whether or not you believe in actuality that he's doing the thing. Whether or not you recognize that you're called to be the parents that your children need. Whether you recognize that you are equipped 100% to have everything that you need to be successful. Whether you realize that God loves you and your children more than you could ever understand, fathom, or express. And that makes this parenting journey a sacred calling. It's not a job, it's not just a role, it's not something that gets added on. It is foundational to who you were created to be in Christ Jesus. So look, we made you this little arrow sticker, right? It's a line in the sand, a moment for you to have a physical reminder and to know that you've got this. right? Not because you're so good and you've got it all figured out, but because you're called and equipped and loved. And you may not know everything, but you do know something, and that's that your role is to connect your child to the same power source, the same calling that you have, and to pursue that together all the days of your life. So if you're in the auditorium this morning, as you exit, we'll have some of our arrow stickers available. They're in different colors, so you can pick one or two or one for each kid for where you want to put it, whether it's a mirror, a phone, a computer. We want it to be somewhere where you'll see it and be reminded of the opportunities that you have to be their parent. If you're not here today, of course, there's going to be a QR code on the screen. You can scan that with uh, your camera or you can go to porch.church arrow. There's a real little form you can fill out and you can either stop by and pick up an arrow or you can have us mail one to you. We'd love for you to just have the, that tangible reminder of not only this message, but hopefully this series to equip and empower you every single day of your parenting journey to know that God's got your back, that he's called you to this moment, that he's equipped you to be the parent to your child or children that they need from you, and that that's all wrapped up in his love for you, and that that gives you the confidence that you need to go forward successfully, to take aim at the target of eternity, to prepare for the release of your children into God's hands to manage the rhythm and training and coaching that it takes to get there, to prepare for the actual battle of an opponent that we have to fight. And we know that all of that takes work, but that's okay. Because this isn't a job, this isn't a role, this is your sacred calling. And you've got this. I believe that for you this morning, church. I hope you feel it. I hope you walk in it. I hope you experience it. and I hope that you'll continue doing that as you go this week. God bless you.